by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, there we wept. When we remember Zion, it's just another form to say Jerusalem. On the willows there we hung our harps, for there our captors ask us for song. And our tormentors ask for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And there is the question on verse 4. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? I know that clearly we're not captives in a foreign land today. Amen? Definitely we are not tormented by literal captors today. But some way, somehow, sometimes it is difficult to sing a song in the middle of our own struggles. Isn't it not? Today is obviously a different sermon that I'm used to preach in which I want to make you laugh and make sense of the word. But unfortunately, we have believed the idea that in order to belong, in order to be accepted, we must have our act together. That your life should be so organized that you are able to achieve everything that you want and everything should be done effectively. Kind of like living your best life now. Isn't that what we see in social media today? We see all these happy family pictures all the time. Nobody posts pictures when they're fighting with their spouse or with the children trying to make them do their chores. Even less when we're fighting with our friends or when we just wake up and we're in serious, desperately need of coffee. Some people don't even post pictures without a filter. And I think there is a problem with that. Walter Brueggemann, who is an American Protestant Old Testament scholar and theologian who is widely considered one of the most influential Old Testament scholars for the last decades, says the contemporary tendency to drop lament language ensures that the victims remain voiceless and the status quo unchallenged. He's warning us of the dangers of removing such language from our daily living. So today I want, to, I want us to reflect in what we call the lament, which is a form of sacred prayer. And by, in order to do that, obviously, I'm going to use several psalms. As we see David, one of the writers in the, of the book of Psalms, always struggling, 
always going from the high to the lows. Psalm 102, verse 1 and 2 says, Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn, turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. Psalms 3, which is going to be the focus of my message, it starts on verse 1. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Selah. And finally, Psalms 88, verse 1 and 3 says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cried out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. Can you see and hear the repetitive tone of a prayer in these psalms? Can you also recognize the language of urgency and despair in the psalmist writings? At least two-thirds of the entire book of psalms are laments, what we call laments, which are kind of like complaints. Individuals, meaning like mind, personal, but also corporate, as the people of God. We lament when somebody dies permanently, prematurely, and unexpectedly. We lament when we are faced with tragedy. We lament when we experience some kind of loss, loss of our jobs, the loss of our lifestyles, or simply the loss of losing the ability to do something. In general, we lament when difficult things happen in our lives. And rightfully so, because lament is the most natural thing we can do. Especially when we face the unexplicable. And I, I'm using the book of Psalms, like I said, because the book of Psalms is like a mirror of our souls. They have the ability to arouse our emotions. Have you ever experienced reading the book of the, the Bible and you burst in tears? just because of what the Spirit is doing. It directs our wills, and it also stimulates our imagination. Therefore, through the lament, we are able to express ourselves truly, or truthfully, I should say. You know, one of the reasons I, uh, I, I think that the Spirit led me to this word this morning. It's because, uh, as Vidalis was saying, that we, we don't need to greet each other. I, I thought somebody has to handcuff me because it's difficult for me not to do this. 
But the other day, as I'm doing what I always do, try to greet all of you, I ask somebody, so how are you doing? And her answer was, I'm okay. Isn't that what I'm supposed to say? Can you hear the warning of suppressing the lament? John chapter 16 says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's not if. It doesn't say if you have trouble. No. You will have trouble. So this morning, one of the things that I want you to hear me loud and clear to say is, it's okay not to be okay. Not everybody that appears to have it all together does. Now, I'm not saying that we should walk every Sunday like downcast. I'm, I, I'm dead. My, my, my life is terrible. No, but I'm saying that we need to be able to recognize that life sometimes takes us to the higher ground, to the mountaintops, but some others, it takes us through the valley of shadow of death. And so we need to acknowledge that. It's critically important that we acknowledge that. Now we acknowledge that and we use the lament as a, as a way of prayer only and only when that lament is addressed to God. The lament is not addressed to our circumstances or to people because none of them have the power to change the way we feel. That's the reason why Psalms 102, although it says, let my cry for help come to you, but it's addressed to God, it's addressed to the Lord. Hear my prayer, Lord. It's not two things or circumstances. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me. Listen to my prayer. So as I said, I'm going to use Psalm 3 as a way to navigate through this message, which I've struggled the entire week with. Because like I said, we're used to just, we want to come here and, 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 and hear something that help us go through our lives. But I believe there is a place and a time also to recognize that we are, have brokenness among ourselves. That there is pain and that by hiding it, we're doing a disservice to our friends, to our brothers and sisters. Now, these psalms consist of David's lament when his son Absalom was attempting to overthrow him. While this trouble were monumental in, in David's life, David found peace and strength in the Lord. When we read these verse 1, verse 2, then we see this word over there that says, Selah. This is the first time in the Psalms that this word appears. And these words 
This word comes from the world of music. When a composer puts selah into his music, he's calling for a rest, for a pause. We are going to use these selah's placements as a navigation design for our prayers in the midst of pain. So, that first selah, like I said, is the selah of trouble. First, we should learn to view the troubles of our life as a selah time. They don't last forever. But there are times in which we need to pause, in which we need to reflect. Last Sunday in the, um, one of the services, I can't remember if it was the first or the third, where we have a time of prayer, I intentionally took a time to just stay quiet. And as Pastor Vidalis pre- preached, she mentioned how uh, maybe some people felt like, okay, Pastor, come on, let's go with the prayer. Because silence makes us uncomfortable. We don't know how to deal with silence. Same reason why we feel guilty when we stay at home. Because we're supposed to be productive all the time. John Wesley said once, sometimes the most godly thing we can do is rest. The first cellar that David composed was not one he would have chosen. It was forced upon him. The same way that troubles that we face are forced on us. We don't choose the kind of troubles we face. He was facing the greatest trial of his life. Can you think of your greatest trial? Maybe you are going through it right now. Maybe something in the past. Maybe you haven't faced it yet. His son has re- had rebelled against him. And their respective armies were about to meet in the battlefield. Maybe our troubles are not going to take us through a literal battlefield. And yet we wrestle through all those things daily. In our lives. Even more, Absalom now was only not only trying to overthrow his dad, but he was also committed to ridicule David's faith. That's why that Psalms read, Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Has anybody said to you, There is no help for you even in God? David's troubles lead us to think about our own. We also have circumstances which cause us to pause and reflect in our lives. Sickness is such a time. I visit people, like I said, in the hospital, and as much things you have in your, in, your, in your mind that are priority to do, you try to get up of that bed, your body will quickly remind you, you are not ready yet. You are not ready yet. 
We need to pause and reflect. So is the death of loved ones nothing we can do about it. We need to pause and reflect. And so are those times in which our faith, like David, is being challenged. Do you notice Psalm 88 says, I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. As a matter of fact, that chapter ends, darkness is my closest friend. If you ever deal with depression, you know what I'm talking about. That is how you feel. Darkness is your closest friend. Have you ever felt that way? Like I said, what I want to do this morning is create a space so that we can acknowledge that as humans, we go through there. And you will have all the time people say, oh, well, you just need to have, uh, you need to pray more, you need to um, come to church, or you need to do this or the other. And those things are good. I'm not saying are bad. But sometimes, first, we have to acknowledge that that we are going through those times, that we are going through that period. So David continues on verse 3 and says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Selah. The second Selah will always move us from the Selah of trouble to the Selah of faith. David did not allow the challenge to his faith to cause, to cause him to abandon his faith. You know, when we're going through times like this, we can do one of two things. We can either get upset at God and walk away from him. But then where is our hope going to be? Or we can, we can get mad at God. We can lament. We can, we can say, why, Lord, are we going through this? But we remain faithful. We remain trusting in him. David met the challenges of his faith by confessing his faith. He specifically confessed his faith in God as he said, you are a shield that protects me, that protects me. This is not wishful thinking for David. God has already protected him many, many times. And you know, I always like to ask you to remember those times in your life when you thought, this is it. I can move forward. I had those times in my life when I thought, I, this, I'm over. I can move past this. And yet here I am today. Because God has been a shield 
around me. This is surely a confession of God's majesty and sovereignty when he said, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. He confessed God to be his glory. He confessed God to be the one that lifts his head high. Now, this may take a little bit of time. This, we need to be careful not to provide people with explanations of things that are unexplainable. Sometimes we just need to be present. We just, we don't need to open our mouth. Because maybe when we do, we do a disservice of the ministry of presence. We shouldn't try to explain things we can understand. There are things we will never understand on this side of life. But by acknowledging the pain of others, by being with them, we do a better job. Miroslav Volf, a professor of theology in the Divinity School of Yale, says, you can protest against the evil in the world only if you believe in a good God. If you remove God from the equation, then there's nothing to compare. There is no good, there is no evil. So you can only complain about the evil in the world if you believe in a good God. We must understand this. We have to be intentional about this because pain is so loud that it's difficult for us to hear God whispering in our ears. But when we get there, when we are able to to move from the acknowledgement of pain to the cella of faith, those two will always move us to the cella of peace and joy, even joy in the midst of the difficulty. That's the reason, that's the only reason why David can write on verse 5. I lay down and I sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear through tens of thousands assail me on every side. When in the face of pain, we remain trusting God. We don't hide our pain. We acknowledge our grief, our suffering as humans. But we don't stay there. We move forward. Now we need to be patient to do that. We need to be loving and caring. And most important, we don't do it alone. We don't do it alone. 
We may not want the entire community to know. But I'm sure there's two or three people around you in which you can trust and share your pain and your grief. And we always, always, always do it with God by our side. Because as the psalmist confessed on verse 8, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people.